Nate, I didn't think I would be saying this, but we lost to Michigan. It's been uh, 10 years since we first lost to them. I remember distinctly being a freshman and suffering that loss. Didn't care nearly much about the Buckeyes at that point than I do now. But, yeah, here we are. Uh, and and it, we're about that 14 one, days post-mortem. That one hardly counted, too. I mean, you know, we we're a program that was trying to figure it out. Luke Fickle's our interim head coach. Uh, we had a, a true freshman playing quarterback who at one point in the season played an entire game and threw three passes. Um, we knew Urban Meyer was going to be the next head coach. Um, and simply put, this game against Michigan for the first time in maybe 20 years came down to Michigan simply wanting it far more than the Buckeyes did, the rivalry meaning more to Michigan than it did to Ohio State, and Ohio State got exposed. Yeah, I was right from the start when the snow started coming down. I was like, this is not – I was checking the weather forecast. We talked a lot about that leading up to the game and how the more, like, poor weather conditions, the the worse it would be for Ohio State. It was snow. It was wind. And it just kind of seemed from the start it had a little bit of a weird feel to it. And, you know, there were a lot – I think the first half was, like, pretty back and forth. But Michigan sort of did what they did against lesser teams – throughout the entire season, they kind of hung around in the first half and the second half really just like stepped on our throats with that running game. And, and that really was the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. They, you know, a, a lot of their coaches and players have come out and said that they were the more physical team. And I, I, I don't think you could put it any better. I mean, you watched the line of scrimmage both ways and Ohio State's defensive line routinely could not make plays on the quarterback, could not get to Cade McNamara, and they weren't blowing things up in the run game either. And then you look at the Ohio State offensive line, and certainly in the run game they got nothing going. I thought they did okay at at times keeping C.J. Stroud clean, Um but I don't know how much to credit that to C.J. Stroud's ability to get the ball out quickly. Um, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the Buckeyes were just thoroughly dominated uh, in every sense. And, you know, I, I think they set a stat during the game. The winner of the game has never, you know, had less rushing yards than, the, than their opponent. And Michigan certainly dominated that fast of the game. Wow, that's a crazy stat. And it's if you told me going into the game, CJ Stroud was going to throw for 394, we wouldn't have any turnovers. Uh, I would have told you, okay, well, we're definitely going to win. We might win by like 20 points, you know? And it, it's, it's just wild how the game unfolded because, and I think we both said that the line of scrimmage was going to make the difference. And I just, I, I don't even know like what to point. I, I just, it's still hard for me to believe it because I feel like Michigan's offensive line. As I was saying before, I mean, I'll say it again. They they were pushing us around like we were Rutgers, and I don't think Michigan's that good. I think Michigan's gonna probably get throttled, you know, playing playing Georgia, or at least have trouble to score against Georgia. So I, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of it. I think it's more of an indictment. It was we just didn't have our A game, as opposed to Michigan being good, which is why you know everyone's. No, I shouldn't say everyone, but there are certainly a contingent of Ohio State fans that think this is a turning point in the rivalry. I wouldn't say that. I just think we showed up and didn't do our homework. Yeah, and you know, you look at you you look at that offensive line for Michigan, and um, you know, Michigan's no slouch recruiting. That's that's certainly true. Um, but when you when you look at that offensive line, they there those weren't studs. You know, we weren't talking about – I mean, Ohio State's offensive line had much more talent, uh, you know, across it than on paper at least than that Michigan offensive line did. Uh, And like you said, they just – they thoroughly dominated. Hassan Haskins ran uh, with a massive chip on his shoulder, and it showed all night long or all afternoon long. I'm with you, though. It's – you know, it's taken us almost two weeks to be able to talk about this. Um, because I'm a little bit in disbelief. I don't know what to make. I, I think our offensive line is definitely more built for the pass and zone running scheme, which I think 
doesn't work when you have a physical defensive front because we're essentially playing four tackles on the offensive line. And I think a lot's been made over the last season or two about let's just get the five best offensive linemen on the field. And I don't think that's necessarily, you know, I think I used to be in that camp, but I think now I'm, I'm much more of a believer. Like, no, you need guards to play the guard position. You know, you need interior offensive linemen who really get down and dirty kind of like the Josh Myers of the world, you know, the, the Billy prices and you need tackles to be tackles. Cause if you just have four tackles in there at, and two of them at the guard spot, just everyone ends up just like doing this like lateral blocking scheme and pass blocking and, Sure, it's okay in terms of protecting the quarterback, but we just couldn't establish the run. And and that that scares me against teams that have good defenses like Michigan. And and, and to our listeners who might be confused thinking, you know, I, I don't understand. What does it matter? Aren't all offensive linemen big? Aren't tackles more athletic anyways? Wouldn't you want your tackles? Wouldn't you want those guys, you know, playing all the positions? And to that, I'd just say, think about a a defensive lineman, uh, a defensive tackle versus a defensive end. A defensive end is typically quick, you know, quick twitch, 6'5", 260 pounds. You think about those defensive tackles, they're going to be more like 6'2", 6'3", big body. And so you're taking these tackles, Paris Johnson, 6'6", 6'7", and he's having to get lower to, to move those defensive tackles. Whereas a Matthew Jones who had a lot of success this year, he's maybe six, three, six, four, his body's not having to bend as much to move those guys out of the way. And, and truthfully, Mike, that's a huge part of, of football. It's, it's willingness to, to get down and dirty and Ohio state, you know, it seemed like that offensive line played best this year when Matthew Jones was in, it's probably because he's a true guard. Yeah, and this is something we were talking about weeks ago. We were saying, why are we doing all of this like zone running to the outside? I, I even remember going back, I think it was the Penn State game and the Nebraska game too. And it's like, we're not running up the middle. And I think in retrospect, the reason why we were probably doing that was because, okay, what are our, we have four tackles playing on the offensive line. They're athletic. Let's get them on the perimeter and do this like the zone runs off tackle. And that's probably why we were doing that. And we weren't doing as much, you know, smash mouth, like wham running, running right up the middle, which is something that Michigan was doing, you know, and that's why, and even looking at our defensive tackles and our defensive line, what do they do pretty well? They rush the passer. Well, you know, and they're also athletic, they get to the outside, but what they don't do well. And, you know, as good as Haskell Garrett has been, he doesn't stop the run nearly as well as he gets to the passer. So, you know, Michigan just said, you know, we're just going to line it up and run it up the middle and, at the end of the day, they, they barely averaged over five yards a carry. So it's not like they were really getting like massive chunks, but they were just getting like four and five yard carries time after time. And it just wore us down. And I don't know, right. what, what's the, what's the future for us moving forward? Like I'm not even talking about the Utah game at the Rose Bowl, because that's totally something that Utah could do. We're going to talk about that more in detail on a different podcast, but, but like, what do you think is Ohio state defense and offensive line looks like next year moving forward because that's probably my biggest concern right now definitely and and I think you know it it comes down to coaching it comes down to personnel I think the question has to be asked if Greg Stadrawa is the guy um, for that offensive line unit I think since um, I'm I'm misremembering his name the the Ed Ed Warner Warner. since since Ed Warner left and I know there's a lot of speculation about Ed Warner being just not a very good guy Um, since him leaving though the offensive line performance as a whole has gone downhill and so you have to ask yourself is Greg Stadrawa the guy Um, and on on top of that he, he hasn't recruited incredibly well so if I'm Ryan Day I think I go out and I get a new offensive line coach. I don't know who that is. I'm not well-versed in expert offensive line coaches, but I think I make <laughs> a switch there. Uh, and then, you know, it, it pains me to say this, and I don't think Ohio State would do it, certainly. Um, but I think you have to ask yourself is, are we, are we sure Larry Johnson still has it? Um, I, I love that guy. He is a phenomenal coach. He's done wonderful things at Ohio State. But – you know, there it wasn't just the Michigan game this year where we were asking ourselves, where is this defensive line? And I know 
we got to a point in the season where they're leading the the nation in sacks and probably because they played some bad opponents. But where is the development of Tyreek Smith? Where is the development of, of Zach Harrison? Um, I, I don't want these some of these guys that we have coming in to go to waste. Jack Sawyer, Tyreek Williams, JT Tuimoloau. Um, and so I think you have to ask, is, is Larry Johnson the guy? I, I, all that's to say, though, there have to be changes along the trenches. What, what do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, the talent's definitely there. I've been hearing the name Steve Adazio being thrown around. I'm not sure if that's still potential. I haven't really followed the coaching carousel so much. Honestly, I've been pretty like, I, I think last week was the least amount of college football I've watched in my entire life, like any given Saturday, just because I was so disgusted. Uh, and like, you could say like hung over from the Ohio State Michigan game that, and also I haven't really been following the coaching carousel too much, but I know Steve Adazio did get let go of his job. He has a connection with Ryan Day back in from the Boston College days. So there's some connective tissue there. I think he would be a great, you know, offensive line guy or guy in the trenches. But to, to your point, I feel like the pendulum is just swinging and we don't, we need to find the middle ground, you know, and th- this happened a while ago in the, in the big 12, right? I think like all, everyone was just passing, passing, passing in the big 12. So then the big 12, uh, had to recruit defensive backs. So they had to change all their schemes. They became like a lot of, you know, four, two, five defenses. And then all of a sudden they were getting run over when they would play teams in the non-conference because they were too finesse. And I think Ohio state just got so focused on stopping on, on being able to pass the ball. You know, it's like the transition from urban Meyer to Ryan day. We became so focused on stopping the pass and being able to pass. We kind of got away from that run game identity that we had with Urban Meyer and mm, at the same token, mm-hmm. the ability to stop the run under Urban Meyer. We were so good. And we would like, I, 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 I would say probably in the Urban Meyer era, there were probably three or four games that we didn't have as many rushing yards in our opponent. If that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. It does feel like maybe we've lost some identity with that. And, and I don't, you know, I think maybe that comes down to, you know, if I'm Ryan day, maybe, maybe I try and bring in, I don't know if it's an analyst or an offensive, you know, an actual offensive coach, but maybe a coach who, you know, has expertise in the run game and who has called uh, offenses with success, who can say to Ryan day, Hey, don't forget to, to run the football. Don't forget to have balance. Um, Because I think that's, you know, Ohio state has a lot of shiny new toys there's no doubt about that. They've got all these amazing receivers. They have, you know, this is what their fourth straight quarterback or maybe fifth straight quarterback who's going to the Heisman um, ceremony. So we have tons of talent at those positions, but we can't neglect the run game. I think he did a much better job having balance in 2019 with J.K. Dobbins and, and Justin Fields' first year. And obviously that showed that was when the Buckeyes had the most success, I would say, under Coach Ryan Day. Yeah, you got to have balance. That, that's really what just what it comes down to. And it did feel like when he was trying to run the ball, it just felt a little forced. I remember coming out of halftime, it was third and one. And Nate, I think you texted me, everyone in the stadium knew that was going to be a run play because he felt uh, like, okay, you know, beginning of the second half, I have to establish a run, like that kind of thing. And it just felt a little bit forced. So I, I don't know. I guess it's easier to have balance when you have the guys to – execute and obviously you know Travion Henderson's awesome you know you can't blame him for for the run game not working and I think it really just comes down to having that that balanced offensive line I never that's something I totally took for granted I kind of just always thought like yeah you put the best offensive lineman you're going to be good put the best defensive lineman you're going to be good there was a time uh I think a few years ago we were saying, hey, maybe we should just play like what was it, the Rushman package, right? We should just play right, like four, right. four defensive ends every every single play, <laughs> and and no, you're gonna you know you're gonna get run over. And Ohio State's definitely this is not a a, a one time thing. We struggled against Minnesota first game of the year, stopping the run, especially in the interior. Uh, and I guess you could say we shut down Michigan State, but um, who else kind of did a good job against us or against our run game this year? Um, I, I, I feel, feel like, like there Nebraska, was Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska, did a good job. too. Yeah. Um, so. I, and, and I think, you know, the run Oregon, game, <laughs> Oregon, right, right. The, the run game's interesting too. Um, I don't, you know, the last thing I'll say, I guess, on the coaching staff with the run game is even coach day, there's been some curious 
decisions, you know, I, I look back at that Michigan game and think, could it have been different if, you know, even on that first drive that the Buckeyes had, we, Mayan Williams was in there and he was, he was churning down the field for the Buckeyes getting, you know, six, seven yards of pop. Um, and then we get to the red zone to the, you know, maybe the one or two yard line and we start trying to throw the football. And I'm just thinking, what, what are we doing here? We give it to Mayan Williams and finish the deal. I wonder if the game would have looked different. Um, I will say it's not all coaching staff issue, I don't think. I think part of the problem is also um, at times Travion Henderson has an inability to see holes. And, you know, he's a, he's a true freshman that just rushed for 1,000 yards. Um, I, I don't want to criticize him too much. But I think at times he misses holes – and actually runs into the de to defenders where, you know, maybe there is a hole that was originally designed there. He's feels like he's always trying to find the edge. And if he can't get to the edge, he's not going to gain yards. Um, so I think that's something that, uh, you know, a young man like that, like I said, 18 years old, he has to get better at this off season as well. I think that's going to, if we do go back to more of a power run scheme, I think that, that will become a lot easier for him to find those holes. Cause when you do have, I think Trey Sermon's a guy who really, really did well with that kind of zone blocking scheme to the outside, I guess you can kind of say, and that's part of the reason why the 49ers drafted him because Mike Shanahan and then Kyle Shanahan are the ones who made that zone blocking scheme sort of famous and so effective, but it's just easier when you're okay. I just got to follow the pulling guard into the hole and he's going to create the hole for me, you know, versus like, okay, I have like five, six, seven guys running five yards to the right horizontally. And now I have to find a gap in one of them. It's just a little bit more difficult, I guess, for a young, for a young freshman like that. So I think that's right, going to be something right. that's going to be a huge change. I think we're going to see next season. Um, I wouldn't even be shocked if we, if they tried to change it against Utah because it's, you know, why not start now? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely try. true. Uh, that's absolutely true. I, one other, you know, thing that I wanted to bring up that I'm curious of your opinion on, um, toughness. We've talked about this at length for years now with Ohio State, and it feels like at times there's a toughness issue. There's a, a almost a mental toughness issue you know, where we saw in the Michigan game, the Buckeyes making mistake after mistake late in the game, penalties, all sorts of things like that. We also see a lack of edge from the team. You know, the only time that entire game where someone looked excited or passionate was when Cam Brown almost got in a fight. And, you know, I, I, I know people didn't like it at the time, but I thought, oh, hey, someone, someone, that's life. Good. I'm glad to see some life from this team. I think that kind of morale, you know, and, and toughness comes back to, to Mickey Mariotti. Do, do we have to take a look at this strength and conditioning program and ask ourselves, is it, is it where it needs to be? You know, I, I'm not saying we fire Mick. I still think he's a top 10 strength and conditioning coach in America, but, but it feels like maybe he needs to make some wholesale changes. What do you think? I think it's tough to say. I think it's just so much easier as an underdog to muster that kind of energy. And I do think it kind of wears on you the entire season because Ohio state has been the hunted and not the hunter for almost like 10 years now since urban Meyer True. took over. And there have been, it's just hard, you know, it's, it's so much easier to go into a game with that edge being Michigan, like, wow, this team beat us nine straight times or whatever it was, you know, this is our time we're home. You know, we got the fans behind us and, and Ohio state was flat. And I know it's hard. Like you think in a rivalry game, you're automatically going to be up for it, but it's just, you know, it's just hard. You know, if you could do anything in life. And if you beat someone nine straight times at something, you're just not going to want it as much the 10th time as, as the person who's lost. And, and then think about other teams too, like Alabama and Clemson. I remember when we were beating Clemson, when Justin Fields, you know, was like smoking them last year in, in the playoff, Trevor Lawrence on the sideline was like, eh, you know, and like he, even the guy, well, uh, was the guy's uh, name? Nolan Turner on the sidelines. Like he was, you know, mm. he was like, you know, he was like, uh, you know, like, no, they didn't have any life, you know, because they were the hunted and not the hunter. But that was a situation where we were able to have the hunter. Cause think about it in like the last like six years or last like eight years for Ohio state, like which games, have we had the most like edge mm. or the most like mental toughness? It's the, it's the few games we've been the underdog. It was the Alabama win. It was the Oregon win. And then beating Clemson too, I would think at least. 
that you know that's actually a really good point it feels like the Buckeyes have routinely played best uh in those in those circumstances and and which which does make me excited because um I don't know how much you've you've watched it or tracked it Mike but uh Michigan players have said a lot Michigan coaches have said a lot Jim Harbaugh called uh Ryan Day, a basically a spoiled brat who was born on third base, and and you know inferring he was given the keys to a Ferrari, and and Jim Harbaugh was given a, a crappy program that he had to fix. Um, Josh Gaddis has come out and said they manhandled the Buckeyes, and and this and that, and so I, there's going to be no shortage of motivation next year uh, for the Buckeyes. Do, do you think the Buckeyes cash that in? Yeah, I would be, and that's the thing. Like next year, I I actually think that we kind of became like when we when we beat when we lost to Oregon, I was like, this is perfect. You know, we're under the, I mean, not not perfect for a loss, but we're under the radar. And I feel like the last few weeks heading into the Michigan game, our offense looks so good that I think that everyone was just like, oh, Ohio State's the second best team in the country. You know, uh, that that we kind of had a little bit of a boost to our ego. And that also contributed to us losing our edge. But I think that if going into the Michigan game, everyone was like, Ohio State looks like shit, you know, Michigan should be favored, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe we would have had more of an edge. And I think next year, I feel like with, especially with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave gone, I think maybe we head into the season. Maybe we're not number one. Maybe we're not, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll be four or five or something, but maybe we'll be a little bit more off the national radar. And then we'll be able to go into that Michigan game with much more um, fire, especially coming off of a loss. And I, I mean, I think at the the very least too, I don't think Ohio State's a shoe in, you know, remember back to 2019, brand new head coach, uh, breaking news here just came across the bottom line that I, I'm watching. I got Sports Center on in the background here, Mike. Kevin Wilson just took the Nevada job. Uh, so you're getting breaking news right, right now. Uh, Ohio State, I guess, offensive coordinator, uh, associate head coach, tight ends coach Kevin Wilson is leaving for Nevada. Um, yeah. So that's going to be an, an opening on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I know he'd helped stud a bunch with the O-line. Um, we can get to that in just a second. But the point I was making, uh, oh, man, and Sean Clifford staying for a sixth year. Goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the point that I wanted to make was that 2019, Ohio State was not picked to, to win the Big Ten. Michigan was. And that year, Ohio State routinely talked about that. You know, just because there's a change with coach doesn't mean that we're not still Ohio State. And I don't think it's not going to be a guarantee the Buckeyes are picked to win the Big Ten next year either. I think that could put a nice little chip on the shoulder for the Buckeyes this offseason. Yeah, I would say I would say that if you compare uh, like this situation and that situation, I would actually be surprised if more people are not picking Michigan to win the big 10 next year, just because people want to, you know, make different predictions. You know, everyone wants to be the pick the team who's going to knock off golden state back when they had Kevin Durant, you know, and, and the big three or big four or whatever, you know, people analysts just want to mix it up and want to be different. And I think that could totally play into our, into our uh, hands positively. But if you think, if you look at, okay, how does Ohio state seem just from a thousand foot view look compared to Michigan teams next year, Michigan had a ton – they have a ton of talent leaving. You know, D- David Ojogbo and Aiden Hutchinson are both first-round picks, not just first-round picks, but in, like, the top 16. The heart and soul of their defense, Josh Ross is graduating. I know we're going to lose some receivers, but that's a spot we're very deep. I just feel like we're definitely – like, I think even though Michigan kicked our butt, I still think we're a better team on paper than Michigan this year if we played them again in a neutral site, all things being even. And I think we're – maintaining more talent next year versus Michigan. That's just my, my uh, overarching thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, I, d- I do want to bring up Mike uh, a big, big news this past week. Uh, Ryan day offered the defensive coordinator job to Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma state. Uh, before everyone freaks out and says Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator, uh, that was the number three ranked defense in college football this year in the Big 12. 
Um, and uh, he's he's kind of steadily grown that defense at, at Oklahoma State. Prior to that, he was at Duke, where he had a top 25 defense. So uh, an impressive pedigree. He was the, the biggest name of the defensive coordinators uh, this offseason. What's your reaction to Ryan Day bringing him in? I wasn't sure what to make of it. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we didn't try to pull someone from the NFL. I thought maybe just because that's what Harbaugh did with what's his face, Mike Montgomery, that maybe Ryan mm. Day would try to do that as well. But no, I mean, it seems like a good hire to me. I'd be lying if I said I knew who he was prior. I, I you know, I've watched a ton of Oklahoma State football over the last three years. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think I ever heard them say, oh, Mike Knowles, you know, he's just he's scheming it up. But, uh, but, you know, I think it, I think it seems like uh, – I, I don't know much about this guy, right, but I think it seems promising. I feel like the infrastructure is there for uh, someone to succeed at Ohio State as a coach. You know, you have so many great resources for recruiting. You have a great profile. You, you the talent's there. So if he could take, you know, um, if you could, he could take these lemons and make lemonade, I'd be more than happy. Yeah, I would say it's probably like a B-plus, A-minus higher just from first glance. Yeah, I think the the thing that I'm most excited for is that he is known uh, traditionally as a linebackers coach. That's not to say he's going to come in and take Al Washington's job. I don't know what's going to happen there, um, but he is known as a linebackers coach, and I think that's going to help Ohio State a lot. He employs a four-two-five uh, look, three safeties on the field, which is kind of what Ohio State's been playing anyways. Um, and, and what's unique to his system is that he has one of his defensive ends is always standing, always in a two point stance. Um, and sometimes he'll rush the passer. Sometimes he'll drop into coverage and the, the blitz will come from a linebacker around the edge. He disguises a lot of his looks. I think it could be a little bit of a complicated learning curve for the Buckeye defense, but I think all in all, it's going to be a really good thing. Um, and I, I am immensely excited I think he's gonna be a great hire and he's you know he's not a guy looking to get the next big job he's content being a defensive coordinator he's 56 my only question would be how is he on the recruiting trail and and really only time will tell it's kind of funny with our defense like looking what's coming back next year Haskell Garrett will be gone Jerron Cage gone uh, Tyreek Smith gone and Marcus Williamson gone but other than Haskell Garrett, I don't know if you can – and maybe Tyreek Smith too. I don't know if you could say, like, conclusively, like, we're missing anyone that's gonna, that's that much of an impact player. But at the same time, you have all these returning players. Like, am I supposed to get pumped up because Bryson Shaw is returning? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like – Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> so, I guess – but I, I think the structure of our defense will be pretty good. And I think the linebackers will actually be a strength, and I'm shocked I'm – I'm, I'm saying that, but I felt like Steel Chambers was the only one with the pulse in that Michigan game and him returning plus Ronnie Hickman returning. And then hopefully, you know, he can make the most out of the defensive ends. Uh, but I, I'm probably most enthusiastic about our corners and our linebacking situation. If you include Ronnie Hickman as a, as a proto linebacker uh, next year, moving forward, man, on paper, this defensive line should be, or th- this def- defense as a whole should be nasty. You yeah, know, a lot of stars. Uh, uh, JT Tuimoloau and Jack Sawyer. Zach Harrison's probably coming back. You got Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall. Um, you got Steel Chambers, uh, Reed Carrico, uh, Tommy Eichenberg. Then you've got freshman CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers. You've got Sonny Styles coming in, Denzel Burke, um, probably Jacalyn Johnson or Jordan Hancock. Uh, Next to him, you got Cameron Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom. Uh, on paper, it's a defense with tons of experience and tons of talent. Is he going to be able to put all of that together? Uh, we'll see because the Buckeyes, you know, and, and we have all offseason to talk about this, but the Buckeyes have a tough schedule next year. Uh, they they yeah. pull Iowa and Wisconsin from the West. Uh, so it, it's – And Notre Dame. No- Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they go to East Lansing, to State College for the whiteout game. They've got some big games next year. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how our defense looks next year. And I will uh, one other point, it's like, oh, well, you know, the defense, those guys, you know, like the Bryson Shaws of the world, uh, might not have necessarily played fabulous towards the end of this season. But you, have, you can't forget that this these defensive coaching staff, they were making changes on the fly during the entire right. season. Ideally, right. you do that in the offseason 
and you go into the season with a plan, it's the same thing. Like if your starting quarterback gets knocked out in the first quarter, it's a lot harder to make a game plan for your backup quarterback on the fly. But if you know going into the seat into the week with a whole week of practice, like okay, we we have a backup quarterback, we need to make a specific game plan for him. You're going to tend to be much more effective. So switching defensive coordinators, I don't know if this is true, true, uh, true but I would have to guess that there's not been a national champion in the last like 25 years who has switched defensive coordinators in the middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I would, no doubt. Um, let, let me get your thoughts uh, as we're just kind of scanning Buckeye headlines here. Um, we've had some names hit the transfer portal, none bigger than Quinn Ewers. Uh, the 17 or 18 year old stint in Columbus lasted all of three months, two maybe. Snaps. <laughs> uh, two, two snaps, two handoffs. Uh, what's your reaction to this, to, to his transferring? I, I kind of understand it. You know, I mean, he's a big time recruit. I don't think he wants to wait another year, uh, which, which is fair. You know, if he goes to Texas Tech, he plays right away. There was, uh, despite what some Buckeye fans might have thought, C.J. Stroud is the starting quarterback next year. I think he did <laughs> enough this year <laughs> to protect his job. <laughs> um, I don't we're know. Laughing. <laughs> we're laughing about that because we have one um, particular friend who I don't even know if this is the podcast, but he was um, he basically blamed C.J. Stroud for the Michigan loss. <laughs> uh, I I you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you can talk about forever about that. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Quinn Ewers, <laughs> I understand why he's transferring. He wants to play right away. It's a very pass friendly offense. Um, D- Danny Cannell posted a funny video about Quinn Ewers mechanics and how they're horrible. Uh, which, I, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, you did see that. They That's don't funny. look great. They don't look great. Yeah, he also didn't perform that well in the Elite 11 thing. And this isn't me like, okay, the kid leaves Ohio State and now I'm trying to dump all over him. I just as a general rule, I root for people if they've had any affiliation with Ohio State. This one might really push the limits because he literally was here for three months. But even like Jamison Williams, like I've had the I've had the attitude all year. It's like if one Alabama player is going to dominate, I would rather be the guy who was at Ohio State. So I don't know. No doubt. Yeah. What do you you think about Quinn Ewers? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I feel, I think a lot of the things that you're describing, I also feel, um, I, I think part of me maybe feels like relieved slash glad. I, you know, I, I think about him more and more and I, it, what he's kind of painting is that he's kind of all about himself, which, you know, many, many athletes are. Um, but you know, he graduates high school early, misses his senior year with all his buddies. So he can, he says not, not to do this, but I'm guessing so he can cash in on these NIL deals. And then he's, he's in the program three months and he's not going to be handed the starting job next year or even the number two, the backup role. And he wants to, to move on. And so I, to me, it tells me he's all about himself and that he doesn't like to compete, uh, which to me are, are concerning. And so, uh, like you said, I think he's still a tremendous talent um, and I'm sure he's going to be a good player wherever he goes. But I think maybe long term, this might actually not be a terrible thing for Ohio State. They picked up Devin Brown in the class of 2022. He, he performed very well at Elite 11. He's uh, uh, got a big arm, talented kid. Um, it seems like Kyle McCord might be staying, which is exciting. Um, and so I, I think I'm okay with it, uh, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, I'd love to have him. I wish he was still here, but I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, and you know, I, it's not that – I don't even know if you'd say he like, doesn't want to compete, but I don't think there is a competition. Like, there really – you can't possibly move on from C.J. Stroud. And I know, obviously, he had an amazing pass-blocking offensive line. He had amazing receivers. But the guy still is going to end up breaking the 4,000-yard mark. And also, he has a 7-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Actually, seven and a half to one right now. Uh, you know, who knows? He can end up. He can finish the season with forty touchdowns and five interceptions. You know, he, so right. you're not you're not just going to like bench that kind of production because even even if you say okay, well, Jalen Hurts was benched for Tua Tagovailoa, yeah, but Jalen Hurts also had like 
kind of crappy passing staff at Alabama. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't the Heisman finalist as a quarterback. So, you know, you don't have a situation like that. So I think oh, CJ Stroud is definitely the QB. And I guess Kyle McCord must have, must be playing the long game, right? Like McCord's probably thinking on the back of next year, if something goes wrong with CJ Stroud, I'm in. But if not, Stroud's going to the NFL, and then all of a sudden I'm starting as a redshirt junior. I would imagine that's what he's thinking. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. You know, it, it's almost like as much as it pains me to say, it's, it's kind of like everything's working out kind of as we assumed it would. Um, and, and you're going uh, to have C.J. Stroud start another year, and then it's going to be a Kyle McCord uh, – Devin Brown competition Kyle McCord likely wins that maybe he's only here for a year then it's Devin Brown's job um, which is you know how we kind of originally hoped things would set up uh, for for Ohio State so I'm I'm yeah I think I'm okay with it yeah it, as long as Travion Henderson's here we get the offensive line fixed I have no worry about worries about the receivers even though we're losing Olave and Wilson I think the offense is fine. You know, Ryan Day is a great play caller. I wouldn't have too much concern about that. If we want to talk about, like, okay, numerically, what's your concern for the offense going into next year? One to ten, ten being the most concern. I would say I'm, like, at a two. And the only reason why I'm at a two is because of the offensive line. Like, I do not think quarterback, running back, receiver, even tight end situation with Kate Stover is, is an issue. Right, right. Yep, I, I, I'm absolutely there. We'll see how uh... – Ohio State closes out this uh, this recruiting cycle. Um, I feel confident that they're gonna they're gonna close it out well. I, I wasn't so sure a couple of days ago, but it feels like they've made some good um, moves. They may have a good defensive line haul to end the year, uh, which is exciting. So you know, on paper, I think that this Ohio State team could be a real, you know, contender next year, get, bringing in a good class and we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, where do you think we're going to – I don't know much about, like, what other teams are going to bring back, but this certainly doesn't feel like we'd be, like, the number one team next year, but I feel like we'll be somewhere between, like, three and six. Yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Um, Alabama will bring back Bryce Young. Um, and they have a, a bunch of young, talented receivers, bring back a lot of the defense. Um, Bryce Young alone may put them at number one. Um, yeah, honestly, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of up in the air. Clemson is going to lose both their offensive coordinators and their – or both of their coordinators, their offensive and defensive coordinators, their athletic director is gone. Um, Oklahoma lost their head coach. Maybe it's Georgia. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what all they bring back. They have lots of talent. But, yeah, I would, I would think probably top five. And, honestly, Michigan might be top five as well. Uh, yeah, I feel like they might just ca- they might just kind of roll over some hype that they have uh, from this season. But, again, they're losing, I think, three if not four offensive linemen. They're losing their two most impactful defensive ends or defensive players in general, they're losing like their best linebacker. I believe they're also losing their best defensive back. So I feel like Michigan, definitely their cupboard is going to be a little bit more bare uh, than Ohio state's. And, and let's just be honest, like they don't recruit as well as Ohio state uh, the last, you know, five or six years, Ohio state's currently in the top five for 24 seven sports recruiting rankings. And Michigan is like in that eight to 16 range, you know, they even had one year where they were like 20, 27. So. I, I think uh, stars do matter. Yeah, yeah, I think that you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I, I think they're going to have to take, you know, Michigan as a team is going to have to take a little bit of a different identity next year. Um, they're, they're ta- you know, they're going to have – I guess they're going to have Corum back and they're going to have Donovan Edwards there. Um, so they're going to be, you know, pretty talented at – the running back position, but they're, they're a lot of their depths going to come from their wide receivers. And so can Cade McNamara get the ball? What do they do with uh, JJ McCarthy? What does the defense look like? It, there's a, there's a lot of questions surrounding that team for sure. Nate, let's transition a little bit and talk about the national playoff picture. It's kind of hilarious that I think we joked about this a while ago. It's like, well, worst case scenario for Ohio state fans would be, 
another Ohio football team, two SEC teams, and Michigan. But that's exactly the playoff that we have. <laughs> Ugh, it's awful. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't envision anything worse than this. Yeah, and also you could argue like Alabama's it's just crazy because I don't I think Michigan's very overrated. Um and I I don't know. I, I feel I, I I I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but I really do believe that that our best is better than anyone else's best in, in college football this year. And I feel like Alabama, they got kind of lucky. Like if the Auburn running back stays in bounds, they lose to Auburn. And then even if they do beat Georgia, I don't even know if they get in as well, they probably would get in as a two loss SEC champion, but I would imagine their confidence would have been really rattled losing to Auburn. So this has been a weird year. And they kind of, I mean, if you're asking me, they kind of got handed a silver platter, Um, you know, like we've talked about, sure they beat um, they beat Georgia in that SEC championship. But if we're being honest, Georgia, I guess I guess the way that I'll put it is that game. Uh, everyone hyped up Georgia, hyped up that defense, so that defense is gonna you know if if Alabama can't score against Auburn, how on earth are gonna they gonna score against Georgia and Alabama coach Saban they use that he called it rat poison he called all of those comments rat poison it's exactly what that team needed and so I, I think that they may have played above their ability and their potential last week just off of emotion it's like we've talked about with Ohio State when do they play best when they're backed into a corner when they're doubted they're not believed there's a big chip on their shoulder and I think that's what Alabama had going into that game you know people were saying the this is the time Georgia's finally going to win. Uh, Alabama doesn't have the talent, you know, and those guys heard that. And so it was kind of a perfect storm for them. And and sure enough, look where we're at now. Yeah, the, the emotional component just matters so much. Alabama was just as flat against Auburn as Ohio State was against Michigan. And you could argue that uh, Alabama had less reasons to be flat against Auburn because Auburn's actually beaten them over the last five or six years. You know, so there's a certain level of looking ahead. But at the end of the day, obviously, Michigan, a lot better of a team than Auburn. So they were able to overcome, you know, their, their lackadaisical performance. So I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, sometimes the uh, Alabama has been consistently the best team in the country. That's why they've won, what, six national titles the last 12 years or something something crazy like that. So they a hundred percent deserve it, but this particular year, it's just been, been very weird. And I, I, I'm just not a believer in Georgia. I believe that like, I really do believe the 2019 Ohio state team would be any college football team, including the 2021 version of Ohio state by 10 plus points uh, that, that exists currently. I don't know if you, you agree or disagree, but I just feel like that team was so much more well-balanced than any of these other teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that you're right. And I, I looking at this game or, or at this Ohio State team, I I still wouldn't even say, Mike, that I think uh, that they're not still the best, one of the best teams in college football. Um, you know, they, they had some bad performances, no doubt, but that team that played against Michigan State, that team beats Georgia. That, that team beats Michigan. That team beats Alabama. Um, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Um, I guess I, I will ask, you know, knowing everything that we know, and, and there's still some time, we don't have to make our official picks today. Um, but if you had to make a pick today, who would be, who would win the semifinals in the, the college football playoff and who would be the champion? I, I just feel like Michigan does not match up well with Georgia. Like I think that ground and pound stuff might've worked against Ohio state, but that is like playing right into Georgia's. Georgia's kind of like a better them, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're better than like Stetson Bennett and Cade McNamara. Can you think of, of two more mediocre quarterbacks playing in a semifinal uh, you know, matchup? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so I, I, I see that that's just going to be a tough matchup for Michigan. I think Georgia's going to, especially Georgia also extra motivated coming off of their loss to Alabama and losing the SEC versus I think Michigan is still flying high from winning the Big Ten. And then Alabama and Cincinnati, I personally feel like Alabama just has a little bit too much firepower. I know Cincinnati's secondary is very good. They got like two or three NFL guys there. Desmond Ritter's good. But I feel like you give Saban a month to prepare for this game, like he's going to find their weaknesses. It's a 13-point spread for a reason. 
I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to necessarily be like the traditional one four blowout that we we tend to see quite a bit. You know, Alabama, what they killed Kyler Murray's Oklahoma team. Uh, you know, LSU killed Clemson. Or no, they didn't kill Clemson. They killed Oklahoma a few years ago too. I don't know if we're going to see that kind of blowout, but I do think Alabama and Georgia move on, and we get another All SEC Championship game. It's our worst nightmare. It's totally our worst nightmare, and I mean that's that's what that's what Georgia is going to be playing for. You know, that's that's what's going to allow them to succeed is that that they're going to have that kind of floating over their head. Hey, we we could get a, a chance to play Bama again we could get a shot at a rematch. And I think they're going to be pretty dang hungry for that, if if I do say so myself. Um, and so I think that's going to have that team motivated and ready to go. Um, and so I, I think that you're right. I think Michigan's going to hear some of that noise, and that's not going to play well with them. So I do, I do think that's going to be a bit of a, a slobber knocker, but I think Georgia's just so much more talented um, that they're going to win. And then I, I actually, I'm with you. I think, I think that Cincinnati is going to make that game interesting. I think in part because Alabama's not as good as a lot of people think that they are. Um, and because the strength of the Cincinnati team is their defensive backs. Uh, one of their defensive backs just won the Jim Thorpe award. Sauce Gardner is going to be a first round pick. They have dudes back there. John Mechie's out. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of, can you shut down, um, can, can you shut down uh, Jamison Williams? And I, I think that they're going to be able to, um, to some degree. And so I think that game could be interesting. I'm with you, though. It'll be Alabama, Georgia, our, our worst nightmare. I would like to, uh, to say real quick, you know, they, they do their errors and omissions at the end of PTI. I was incorrect. It's not Kevin Wilson going to Nevada. It's Ken Wilson, who's the co-OC of Oregon, I guess, not Ohio State. So, Kevin Wilson, you're safe. Sorry for dragging your name through the mud there. I, I have heard that he might be going to Akron, though. I don't know if they filled that spot already. They've um, already filled that. Uh, none other than Joe Moorhead is, probably could have gotten the darn Oregon job, um, but he's chosen that he'd rather – He'd rather be the guy at Akron. <laughs> Boy, talk about, like, Oregon. Nothing – what could be more emasculating than getting, like, your national title hopes ruined by Utah and then having a chance to, like, beat, <laughs> beat them and avenge your loss and then just getting even more humiliated <laughs> the second time around? Seriously, just – yeah, just straight up getting walloped. And then your, your head coach leaves. I know it's his alma mater, but your, your head coach leaves – to go be the guy at uh, at Miami, which has, you know, which is a program in shambles, and then you've got your your offensive coordinator took the Akron job, the Akron job. Um, yeah, it's there's some it's tough sledding right now for uh, <laughs> for for Oregon. That's for sure. Uh, now, I see there's rumors now of, like, Lane Kiffin potentially going to Oregon. I feel like that would be kind of cool. Like, I think that would be a decent fit. Um, it seems like a flashy hire. I don't know. Uh, Nate, it's one last thing I want to ask you about the playoff. I think we've talked about this, but it could be good to just have the, the listeners here as well. Like, in terms of rooting interest, what's your pecking order here for the college football playoff? Like, we don't uh, like any of these four teams, really. I mean, I don't mind Cincinnati, but I know you don't like them. But what what – uh, who are you rooting for and in what order? I'm going Cincinnati one, uh, Alabama two, Georgia three, Michigan four. And I, I'm I'm rooting for Alabama or for Cincinnati one because they're the lesser of all the evils. Um, I'm rooting for Alabama two because I'd rather them still be king than have another king in in uh Georgia, and then I just simply cannot – I refuse to root for Michigan. I, I don't care about the Big Ten like that. Uh, I never will. I'm not rooting for that team. That Let's just get that across. I, I think I, I think a Michigan win would be more palatable if Jim Harbaugh wasn't such a 
I don't even know what the word I'm going to use, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I wouldn't mind rooting for a Brady Hoke Michigan team against, I think they played Virginia tech in the orange bowl. If I'm getting that right in like 2011. And I was like, yeah, all right. Big 10 team won the orange bowl. Sweet. Cause like, I, I don't know. I just didn't like hate Brady Hoke, but I feel like Jim Harbaugh definitely just manifests the hate. But I think what you said with Alabama and Georgia is like super crucial from an Ohio state perspective, because we've kind of been jousting with Clemson over the last six or seven years of like, who's going to be the number two King uh, in, in college football, you know, Alabama being one and we are fighting with Clemson and now Clemson's kind of dropped off a little bit, but if Georgia does beat Alabama and wins the title, now all of a sudden we're we're probably punching up to Georgia as opposed to punching up to Clemson. So it's like who really cares if Alabama gets a seventh or an eighth title? You might as well just like right. keep the other guys out of out of the conversation. Right, right, and interesting off season. Uh, what's going to become of Clemson? I'm I'm genuinely very very curious what's going to become of that program, um, and you know could what's going to come of Oklahoma. What's going to become of LSU with Brian Kelly, Notre Dame with with uh, Marcus Freeman as USC back with Lincoln Riley? I, there's there's a lot of stuff um, to be asking yourself, and I, I can't wait. It makes me excited for next football season. You know, Clemson, I feel like they totally – because they lost to Georgia early on and then lost to NC State, like everyone kind of forgot about them. But they like low-key kind of didn't finish the season too terribly. Uh, you know, they finished yeah. nine and three, they beat Wake Forest, they crushed South Carolina and their season. Now they can play Iowa State in the bowl game. But if you're a Clemson fan, and this is like, this is the worst season we, we've had in 10 years, nine and three isn't terrible, you know, so I I, no. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think it might be prematurely to call that program dead. Yeah, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. And, and that's what we're going to find out this year. You know, what is what is this team? really made of what is their what's the the metal down there and and we're gonna find out you know it's gonna be interesting to watch well that's gonna do it for us we're gonna have another podcast before the holiday i just stubbed my toe walking around it really hurts uh and uh, it's gonna be <laughs> leading up to the rose bowl so and and we'll also talk have another podcast after that about recruiting we'll probably just talk about you know the rose bowl and all the new year's six games and the playoff games in a little bit more detail but this podcast is more of a post-mortem what went wrong with Ohio State and Michigan. And also just don't don't hit the panic button too much. You know, I think if Ohio State loses next year to Michigan at home and that ruins our shot to go to the playoff, I will be smashing all panic buttons in sight and probably calling for Ryan Day's head. But at this point, I think we <laughs> can just all take a deep breath and relax. It's, it's going to be okay. Early, uh, real quick, early prediction on the Rose Bowl, Mike. Actually, I, I won't make you give a prediction. I just will ask you, will, will Garrett Wilson and will Chris Olave play? I, I feel like Chris Olave will play, and I think Garrett Wilson will not play. I just feel like Chris Olave has – I don't know. I, he just feels different. I told you, he's probably my, my favorite Ohio State player of all time. I can't think of a player who has made such an impact on a team for – for four straight years because typically if they make an impact for three straight years they go to the nfl so uh i'm a big alave guy i feel like he's gonna want to end his buckeye career with a win i love it